We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys and welcome back to the episode of the Spurs Up Show. This is episode 30. We've got a very special show for you guys today. It's Clemson Carolina week. We've got a very special guest to come on and talk about it, kind of talk some Gamecock football, recap this season as of course, uh, look ahead to the weekend as well. Uh, but first, before we get into that, if you do want to follow the show, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Uh, be sure to go there, rate, subscribe, tell us you like, tell us you don't like about the show. We obviously appreciate all the feedback as always. Uh, as always, be sure to follow us on our Twitter account as well. That's going to be at Armchair SCAR, at Armchair SCAR. Check us out on Instagram as well, at Armchair S Carolina. And this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans, armchairamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to go to armchairamericans.com for all the latest breaking South Carolina Gamecocks news. The show, of course. Uh, in all of our coverage there. So, as always, again, I'm your host, Chris Phillips. Uh, like I mentioned, I am joined by a very special guest today. He's a college football writer and analyst for 247 Sports and CBS Sports. Does a lot of coverage uh, for South Carolina Gamecocks football. You've probably seen him on Twitter. Uh, has a really big presence there. So, not uh, without further ado, the one, the only, Brad Crawford joins us today. Brad, appreciate you coming on again. Thank you so much for your time and, uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on the show. The one and only, huh? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Th- thought I'd build it up a little bit, right? <laughs> Saturday night, man. Gamecocks. Uh, Gamecocks have lost several games in a row in this series since winning, uh, you know, one for the thumb several years ago. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what South Carolina team shows up. Um, is it going to be the one that, you know, laid, a, laid an egg versus Kentucky or – against a team like Georgia. So, um, the games, Clemson's a two-to, a, a, I think it is right now, um, the game cost can cover and maybe win outright. Absolutely. And I definitely want to get into the game with you, you know, a little bit more. First, I want to kind of get your feedback on just kind of this season. Obviously, it's year two of the Will Muschamp era, and South Carolina is eight and three, hit a mark that, you know, I think a lot of people, especially outside of the Gamecock football program, didn't necessarily expect. I mean, first thing I think of is kind of the SEC network prediction that South Carolina go four and eight this year. Um, but anyways, kind of what's going on with the SEC as well. You know, Jim McElwain at Florida's fired. Uh, you've got looks like maybe Kevin Sumlin, Butch Jones, you know, is already fired as well. Maybe Kevin Sumlin on his way out. 
Uh, you've got all the coaching rumors and the coaching carousel. I'm sure more firings to come. Uh, you know, what in your opinion, because I think a lot of people have made, you know, light of South Carolina's schedule maybe, and they've gone eight and three in a weekend East. But, you know, obviously I think it's key that for South Carolina to take advantage of that. What do you think that South Carolina needs to do as far as taking advantage of that and kind of establish themselves, maybe, you know, leapfrogging those other programs and competing with the likes of Georgia and the SEC East? I think right now uh, Muschamp is a little bit ahead of schedule um, in Columbia. Uh, Vegas had the Gamecocks five and a half over under. That was my lock of the year. You know, I I, I knew this team back, especially on offense, and back defensively. They get to at least six and six this season, and really was one of the only guys to pick the Gamecocks to go eight and four. And uh, looks like you know with the loss to Clemson, that's going to happen. So uh, benefited from a schedule that you know in in july or august maybe it looked difficult but um i think there, there's one win right now out of those eight against a team with a winning record you know not not not, not counting wofford win looks good it's looking worse by the week however with the Wolfpack failing late but um i thought the gamecocks you know ha- have played about the way i expect them to um a bit worse on defense maybe a little bit better on offense uh line this year for me is we're going to keep his job at the end of the season. Um, I think he will. The, the biggest issue to me has been um, execution. And, you know, it mainly to the offensive line, to um, running backs being kind of spotty, dropping passes. You know, since South Carolina lost Debo Samuel, there, there really hasn't been an emerging star on that side of the ball, but still managed to win eight games. So with, with, with the, the personnel Roper has – Doing okay. Yeah, and I tend to agree with you. I know that you know I've definitely uh, you know followed you along with Twitter. You know this season, and uh, I've given my fair share of criticism to Kurt Roper. You know, especially at times with the lack of you know creativity, if you will. Um, that that was something I wanted to talk to you about because I, I kind of had the feeling during this season that that you know Will Muschamp was going to have to eventually kind of sit down and make a decision: is he going to allow Kurt Roper to stay on his staff, or you know h- how is he going to basically develop on offense? Because he knows, you know, we all know that that was his Achilles' heel at Florida. Kurt Roper joined that that coaching uh, coaching staff, if you will, very late. Um, do you think that it's more so? You know, you talked about the missed opportunities. Do you, do you think it's missed opportunities? Do you think there's some lack of offensive creativity there? Or maybe a little bit of both, or maybe it really just is the injuries and kind of just what they have to work with. Falls on Muschamp too. Um, don't don't want to hear that, but um, especially especially third and fourth and short situations. I coached this season the way he's coached his entire career. You know he wants to games. He wants to do everything he can to make sure games are close in the fourth quarter. Um, never been a good enough team to kind of have the you know step on the throat mentality. But I think during the Spurrier era, got used to. You know, once they get a takeaway, let's let's go up top to a to a wide receiver down the middle of the field. Um, Jake Bentley's been good between the numbers this season, has not been good outside the numbers. That's that's kind of hurt the Gamecock offense. Um, a lot of folks bringing up sophomore slump, and it's just Jake maybe maybe pressing a little too much. His throws or or high passes that they really haven't hit their mark. The, the third down situations to me 
with his has been his offense's biggest issue. Right, and that's one thing I actually wanted to ask you about as well because I've gotten this question a lot actually uh, about the offense. Is do you think? Uh, and I'll ask your opinion. Do you think that Kurt Roper, maybe Will Muschamp, have asked a little bit too much of Jake Bentley this year, or do you think it's just purely just him pressing and trying to maybe make too many plays? I don't think they, they've asked him to make throws that he can't make. Um, last season, he was, you know, the the SEC's most accurate passer down the field yards, and this season, you know, he out. Um, he's he's having trouble with the post. Uh, pro- probably Jake's best throw this season, one that's always on the money, is that you know seven to ten yard slant route that uh, Debo was was so good at. Um, that that's a play that they've kind of utilized with Shy Smith. Some uh, Brian Edwards has um, dropped his share of those passes, but he's also made plays as well. So um, Gamecocks receiving core, everybody's coming back next year. It's a very young group, very talented group. Um, but you know, I I don't think all the blame goes on Roper though. You know, if if Jake hits some of those wheel routes for touchdowns. Um, notably one against Missouri, um, had one against Arkansas he missed badly on. Some of those throws maybe he has, you know, 20 touchdown passes right now. Um, I mean, I do think that Roper has been a little more stubborn in, in targeting Hayden Hurst in the Gamecock offense because even when he didn't catch passes, you know, he's good at uh, getting defensive backs to interfere with them. Yeah, and I know he's definitely a guy that you talk about a lot that the South Carolina offense, you know, needs a target. I mean, for good reason. He's, you know, I think has the potential to be one of the best, you know, maybe if not the best, at, you know, tight end in the SEC. And that seems to be a common theme as well. I know, you know, over at Georgia, they've obviously got a freshman quarterback, but a guy, Isaac Nada, they haven't really used him a whole lot either. So it's it's been kind of a weird year for tight ends. Um, you know, you yeah. talked about, obviously, had one of his better games of the season against Wofford. Granted, it was Wofford, but I thought he was, uh, you know, if not for some drops in that game, could have almost really completed 100% of his passes. Um, moving over to the defensive side, you know, a guy that you've talked about a lot this season, and for good reasons, Rashad Fenton. Uh, you know, for fans that don't really, you know, that don't really study him, study him every snap, you know, don't really look at that film like that, How how just how good has he really been? This season, Rashad was – um, arguably Gamecock's best player, guy who could maybe find himself, you know, late second round, early third round type guy. Now he's someone the last three weeks, I think Vanderbilt, Derek Mason, um, saw something on film that um, Finn's not situations. He's he's better kind of playing, you know, five to seven yards off the ball. Um, like I said, first half, he was probably the Gamecock's best cover guy, but Looking 10 games, 11 games in now, I think Chris Lamont has probably been consistent defensive back, uh, play, playing that safety role. Uh, Jamarcus King, I know he's criticized a lot by Gamecock fans, rightfully so, but um, last three games, he's probably made the biggest improvement, I think, um, on Will Muschamp's defense as a whole. Had Fenton hadn't allowed a touchdown in games, 19 starts, I think it was, and then last four weeks, um, really been targeted a lot, like like I mentioned, but Terry as a whole has performed. I thought they would. Um, I mean, you know, Will Muschamp really really can't complain with with the effort those guys have have given this season. A linebacker play, I think, without Bryce Allen Williams has Jay Brunson. Um, regardless of the stops, man, if you look at the analytics, uh, he's really struggled this season, um, especially in pass coverage. So. 
that's an area that, that I, I expect Brunson, who was Muschamp's first recruit, to uh, really improve in. Yeah, and that's one thing we've actually talked about on our show a lot is it's kind of – it seems like, you know, obviously the loss of Debo has been magnified by everyone that talks about this Gamecock team. But that loss of Bryce Now Williams is one that, you know, you really can't take for granted either. I mean, that's, you know, one of your, you know, leaders on your defense. Thankfully, he is coming back next year along with Debo as far as we know right now. Um, but, yeah, I think he's definitely a guy, a playmaker. They could have used, in a, you know, definitely a couple couple ball games this year that he was out. Um, talking about a couple more defensive guys, young players like Jamias Williams, uh, Aaron Sterling, Brad Johnson. They've all kind of had their share of an impact this season, some more than others. Uh, how, how good of how good of players do you think guys like that can be? Because I think a guy like Jamias Williams is, has got an extremely bright future in Will Muschamp's system. I think he has a very good upside. Um, Gamecock fan, you know, I, I would have liked to maybe seen Jam um, get a few snaps on the offensive side of the ball this season, maybe special teams game too. Uh, he's been a guy, you know, because of his size, slot. But there, there's not many true freshmen who've been asked to do as much. Um, I think he's played, last I saw, 585 snaps, which is about fourth most on that defense. True freshman. Um, I don't care how talented you are. That's that's a lot to ask. He's he's really struggled kind of in that slot position, but very very good in in run support. Um, he had a tackle for loss that was a a very good play on option pitch. Um, very the game the uh, previous week with that pick. So uh, can can Jam play better? I think he can, and I think he will next season. But this year, um, I think there, there's certainly room to grow, and he probably gets a passing grade. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, got to ask, just have to touch on, on it. Uh, beard. The obvious. Well, not no, not the beard. I was going to say the one thing I was trying to avoid is the kicking game. Um, Gosh, you know, without, man. St- without I almost, stating. I almost got banned from Twitter for celebrating. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna uh, say without without stating the obvious of how how much they've struggled. I mean, what so what do you make of South Carolina's kicking game in 2017? I mean, kind of looking ahead, what did they have to do? I mean, do you think that Parker White and, on the on the kicking game? Um, eleven for twenty one now, nine for eleven inside of forty yards. Normally, I would say uh, kickers do not win college football games because of the points, but uh, without Parker White, the Gamecocks would have lost to Louisiana Tech. Now, let's let's be honest. Then Saturday versus Clemson, um, too, that, you know, when they get in the red zone, if they can't produce touchdowns, they're going to have to count the kicking game to, to produce points. So, game's an area where, where elite teams have struggled this season and teams and a team with eight wins like South Carolina. So, it's his first year being a kicker. Uh, Muschamp has really put him in some a kind of strange situation. You know, he's he's very he's not confident kicking forty eight and forty nine yarders, and Muschamp's still trying to do this. So, I boil it down to more just a just a short yardage play calls on on fourth and three um, inside the opponent's forty. I'd I'd rather see Gamecocks go for it than uh, try for three points. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to say fourth and five or less, I think, is when you really got to, you know, you you got to at least, you know, think about it for sure, especially with the struggles that Parker White's had. I mean, you know, defense, so. 
Right, exactly. And, you know, another team that's had their struggles um, as far as in the kicking game, surprisingly enough, the uh, the team, the South Carolina Gamecocks, will play this weekend, the Clemson Tigers. It's, you know, Brad, it's rivalry week. Um, everybody in the state of South Carolina knows what this week means to both sides. Um, going in this game, I kind of feel like it, the rivalry has a little bit more flair than it has, maybe the most since maybe 2013 or 2014. What are, what are your thoughts kind of around the uh, – I guess the the atmosphere of this game or kind of the feeling from both sides. Cause I kinda of, I kind of feel like last year you sort of went in this game knowing what was gonna happen. Um but it feels like this year there's kind of a little bit more flair for the dramatics. There's kind of a little bit more chippiness on both sides. Last year the, the spread for that game was covering in uh I did I did too. I did too. <laughs> I don't know what happened at Memorial Stadium, but it it, it was ugly. Um, Jake Bentley, you know, he said in May that uh, he vowed that, you know, this would never happen again. Well, this is this is his chance. And start um, at night, Williams, Bryce, not planning a blackout. This is a team that um, I think is beatable. You know, I've I've watched Clemson play all year. I actually had Clemson nine and three. I did not think they, they'd make the playoff going to get there if if the Gamecocks don't beat them I think Miami will but just don't look elite to me outside of that front seven on defense that's a guy who can have a great game or he can have a bad game you know he, he, he's very kind of north south a lot like Jake is it's a game that that you know if it's a seven point game going to the fourth quarter because Bryce Faithful kind of have some magic in store for that game but um at the outset Spread is is probably a non-playable game for me because I do think it'll be a decent game. Game late in the second half. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I definitely think it's a it's a winnable game for South Carolina. Obviously, there's been a a lot of trash talk, a lot of banter from both sides. You know, a lot of I've seen a lot of score predictions from two, three, four, four touchdown game. Obviously, it's just a lot of trash talk on both sides. But you know, you talked about you know, and I agree with you. I, I Clemson making the playoff this season. I just thought when you lose guys like Mike Williams, Deshaun Watson, I mean, even with the great defensive front and the defense they have in general, uh, it's a lot to overcome. I mean, ask South Carolina what happened when they lost Connor Shaw and moved to Dylan Thompson. As good as a player he was, but, you know, lost so many key pieces. Um, either way, though, Clemson is in the top four right now. Um, you know, they have the one lone loss of Syracuse. And as you said, they open as a 14-point underdog. Uh Bottom line, Brad, what's South Carolina got to do? Obviously, they're going to have the night game, again, the raucous crowd. But what does South Carolina have to do on the field, you know, to spring the upset? Yeah, I think some of the obvious things are um, obviously winning the uh, turnover battle. Um, during during that five-game winning streak from, I think it was 09 to uh, 14 or uh, 13, uh, Gamecocks were, I want to say, plus nine turnovers. And then the last three seasons, they've been minus two. Um, Gamecocks right now are – plus nine in the SEC, Alabama. So they've done a great job of plays. But when they've given the ball up, either just just six points um, after the game caught turned over this year. So that's going to take chances downfield. I think the Gamecock secondary has to play well for us. Um, Gamecocks have had games this year where, you know, they've been very good, you know, like, like at Tennessee, at Missouri, where, they, where they've gotten pressure on – on quarterbacks, um, time back there, I think he is good enough to pick the secondary apart. It's like DJ Warren, Dante Sawyer, 
you know, best effort in this game. Obviously, run is very important. Um, I don't think Gamecocks are going to be able to do that. They have to play a, a very good game, turnover-free game, and, and not try to make plays like you know, just um, that, you know, that, that one-handed catch from Hayden Hurst play on Twitter, but that was just a bonehead play that, that Jake normally doesn't make. And those kind of plays against Clemson might turn into six the other way. So um, really just play smart with the football, um, you know, try to have sustained drives, three and outs, giving the ball back to that high-powered offense for the Tigers. Just avoid mistakes and, and, you know, try to make the most of every possession. Yeah, I agree with you, especially about the turnovers. Like you said, when the South Carolina was on that five-game winning streak, I mean, it just seemed like they were able to force turnovers, turnovers that turned to points. You know, I think back to the Antonio Allen pick six, and I think that was 2010, I want to say, um, the turnovers in the 2013 game, like you said, just kind of really added up. And I, I think the other thing for me would be, uh, like you said, line of scrimmage as far as on both sides. I think DJ Wanham, Dante Sawyer, uh, Javon Kinlaw, even some guys like that are going to have to get in Kelly Bryant's face. And then on the other side, how do guys like Alan Knott, Corey Helms, you know, Zach Bailey stack up against that that extremely talented Clemson front seven? I think also the red zone is going to be a huge area. Which team score touchdowns and not settle for field goals? We obviously know that's been, you know, a huge Achilles heel for South Carolina this year. And like I mentioned, you know, kind of earlier, Clemson's had their woes with kicking as well. Uh, I think their kicker one for nine, I think over 40 yards or so. I think actually he might not have a make over 40 yards. Either way, they've had their struggles as well in the kicking game. They just haven't been magnified just because I don't think most of their games really haven't been close. Um, I mean, let me ask you, Brad, what's what's the – Versions would would certainly help too, like like Dylan's run at Memorial Stadium. I mean, those are are back-breaking plays. Yeah, and those are kind of plays that kind of, you know, almost define a rivalry. I know. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, who's the one player you think, Brad, that maybe we aren't focused on, maybe fans aren't focused on, you know, leading up to this game that needs to have a big game for South Carolina to win? I think if A.J. Turner game, uh, Gamecocks will probably win. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to get 100 yards, but stats, and he's one of the SEC's best running backs as far as a pass catcher is concerned. Um, one of the uh, reasons, you know, we, we haven't seen Tyson Williams the last couple of weeks except for that, you know, spot duty against Wofford is because in, in pass pro, um, you know, he had a missed block that got Jake killed, um, all kind of miscommunications blocking back there. Very talented back, but, you know, there's a reason why A.J. Turner is not only getting most of the rushing snaps, but passing snaps too, so – maybe catches five balls for 60 yards and maybe has rushed. And um, I think that that could uh, uh, produce a win for the Gamecocks. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, A.J. Turner has been an absolute spark this year. And I agree with the Tyson Williams point that, you know, I, you know, the pass blocking has definitely been, you know, a huge reason for him not being in the game. But, yeah, I think South Carolina, I mean, it's kind of – stating the obvious with their recipe stop the run and run the football is going to be you know proved true for South Carolina I feel like every time they've seemed to do that you know they, they have a very good chance to win um so with that being said you know Brad I'm going to put you on the spot you know make a prediction for the game Saturday who wins and why I'm going 31-24 Clemson cover um 
I think South Carolina will, will have the ball uh, midway through the fourth quarter with a chance to either tie the game or take the lead and have seen a lot of close losses to Clemson um, at williams Bryce Stadium Saturday night. But um, the atmosphere, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, as an unbiased observer, I'm, I'm ready to see a very good ball game between for the Palmetto State. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to save my prediction. Actually, we have another show to do this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to make everybody wait for that, but <laughs> I promise it'll be worth the wait. Um, and then last thing we're finishing up, you know, talking about, I saw on Sunday, your bowl projections came out, uh, oh. kind of predicting every single team's, you know, bowl destination. Um, you had South Carolina playing Michigan in the tax slayer bowl. That's definitely one I've heard about. Uh, are there any other possible destinations you're hearing for South Carolina? Obviously, anywhere in Florida, I think Gamecock fans would take. But what's sounding like the most uh, the most likely uh, situation where the Gamecocks will be playing this December? Yeah, you know, there's a chance that if, if the Gamecocks beat Clemson and, and look good doing it, bowls like the Outback in Tampa and a Citrus Bowl in Orlando kind of come into play. Um, I think if Auburn doesn't make the New Year's Six, um, obviously – they'd be the best team to to kind of get that Orlando bid. But a, a close loss to Clemson probably locks up a in, in Jacksonville versus a or a very good Northwestern team. Um, Built Bowl in Charlotte, uh, I wouldn't count it out, but played there this season. I don't know if fans want to want to go back. So Music City and then maybe an outside shot at the outback are my kind of three uh, games I'm looking at. Yeah, and I definitely think those are all three destinations that obviously, you know, before the season and especially now South Carolina fans would definitely take somewhere warm uh, for sure. So, um, Brad, again, you know, we appreciate you coming on, taking out some time out of your day. Uh, why don't you let the people know exactly where they can find your work and also, you know, on Twitter as well. Man, uh, I do uh, a bunch, bunch of Gamecock columns on, on the Big Spur. Um, follow me on Twitter at bcrawford247. I talk uh, sneakers, beards, and football. So, yeah, I saw the sneakers that you were. Uh, did you did you end up uh, getting those or those were nah? That was a whimsical dream for me that that didn't come true. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah, those were fresh. I like those. I saw the uh, somebody was able to scoop up the fifty thousand dollar pair that MJ actually wore in a game. I was like, man, I. That's like that to get those but again brad you know appreciate you coming on again for the spurs up show uh if you want to follow the show be sure to check us out again on itunes at the spurs up show uh go there rate and subscribe again follow us on our twitter account this car uh you can find us on instagram at armchair s carolina and again go to armchairallamericans.com be sure to check out all the latest breaking Gamecock news, all of your coverage there, and, of course, the podcast. So, again, uh, Brad, you know, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show. Again, be sure to go follow Brad. Uh, all of his work at TheBigSpur.com, uh, bcrawford247, again, is his Twitter name. Uh, and, again, the Gamecocks taking on the Clemson Tigers this Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Be a 7.30 kickoff. Uh, if you can't be there, be sure to tune in on ESPN. Again, for Brad Crawford, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys listening, right, and we'll catch you next time.